If you were a kid in the 70s and 80s, then there's a good chance you know what this sound is. That's the sound of the CBS special presentation logo. It was usually followed by a 30-minute program, typically animated, that was appointment viewing. Well, if you were a kid, it was appointment viewing. If you were a parent, it probably wasn't. Usually, it was a holiday special. If you're a Gen X kid, you might think of the Rankin-Bass specials, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or The Year Without a Santa Claus, or maybe the animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas, or maybe even those non-holiday Puff the Magic Dragon specials come to mind. Yes, those were really a thing. For me personally, when I think about the CBS special presentation intro, and no, I don't go around thinking about it, well, not that much at least, But what does come to mind first and foremost are the Charlie Brown specials. And not just any Charlie Brown special, but the first one, A Charlie Brown Christmas. My name is Dan Delgado, and today we're taking a look at how A Charlie Brown Christmas, the unlikeliest of Christmas specials, first came to be in an episode we're calling A Very Special Presentation. Welcome to the industry. A Charlie Brown Christmas has aired every year on network television since it first debuted over 50 years ago. Up until the year 2000, it was on CBS, and since then, as of 2019, it's been airing on ABC. That it's a traditional holiday classic is really odd if you think about it. Charlie Brown spends most of the special being depressed and complaining about the commercialization of Christmas. There's no action, and not only is there no Santa to be found... Instead, you get a climax consisting of a Bible verse being read. On paper, it sounds like a disaster. And while it was a hit when it first aired in December of 1965, back in January of 1965, no one was even mildly interested in making a peanut special. So how did it happen? A Charlie Brown Christmas came to be mainly because of three men. First, there was Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts, who started his comic strip career in 1947 when he was just 24 years old. He had a weekly one-panel comic printed in his local newspaper, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. That strip was called Lil Folks, a comic that would eventually morph into Peanuts when it was syndicated in 1950. It was the syndicator, by the way, that came up with the name Peanuts, since there was already a copyright out on a previous strip called Little Folks. Peanuts was thought of due to the peanut gallery from the Howdy Doody Show, which was the name used to refer to the children in the audience. Peanuts creator Charles Schultz actually hated the name Peanuts. It's a degrading title. Peanuts is not a very pleasant word in itself. And I think I draw a strip which is reasonably dignified, and I need a dignified name. Uh, I was lied to, I think, by the syndicate that said you can't copyright a name like Charlie Brown. So I'll try not to use it too much. That was Schultz in 1997, by the way. Throughout the 1950s, Peanuts, I mean Charlie Brown, began to get popular. And in 1959, the first Charlie Brown animation was made. A series of commercials for the Ford Motor Company starring the Charlie Brown gang began airing on the Tennessee Ernie Ford Show. And now, from the popular comic strip Peanuts, here are Charlie Brown and his friends. Got an idea for you, Charlie Brown. Why don't you write some advertising on your kite and sell it to the people at Ford? You could write, Ford and now 
Townsend Ford's Economy Twin. Then, fly the kite way up in the air where everyone would see it. And everyone in the world would know about Ford's Economy Twins because they would see it on this kite years. that would be way up in the air. And... What were you saying? Forget the whole thing. While those commercials are really nothing to write home about, what makes them significant in our story is that it was the first time that comic strip creator Charles Schultz would work with animator Bill Melendez. He's the second of our three men responsible for a Charlie Brown Christmas. Melendez was a Mexican-born animator who had been in the industry for years, and by the time he hooked up with Schultz, Melendez had worked for Disney, he'd been an animator on Disney classics like Bambi, Pinocchio, and Fantasia, and had spent 10 years at Warner Brothers, animating for Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. Schultz liked Melendez's work so much that the next time an animation project came up, he immediately pushed for Melendez to get the job. And that next animation project? Well, no, it was not a Charlie Brown Christmas. Producer Lee Mendelson, that's our third and final man who made a Charlie Brown Christmas happen, he was making a 30-minute documentary about Charles Schultz. It was called A Boy Named Charlie Brown, and this was 1963. In the doc, Mendelssohn wanted to have two minutes of brand new animation. This is where Schultz pushed for animator Bill Melendez to get the job, which he did. And even though Peanuts, Charlie Brown, and Snoopy were household names, and the comic strip was syndicated in newspapers all over the country, and we now had our trifecta of Schultz, Melendez, and Mendelssohn all together, no one was interested in this documentary. Every network passed on it. It never sold, and it never aired. So by the beginning of 1965, the idea of a Charlie Brown anything, other than a comic strip and a Ford commercial, wasn't likely going to happen. Things changed in a hurry when the April 9, 1965 issue of Time magazine hit the stands. The cover story? The World According to Peanuts. Yes, indeed. Charlie Brown had made the cover. The Time cover caught the attention of soft drink giant Coca-Cola. They were looking for a holiday special to sponsor, and Charlie Brown and company seemed like a great fit. When Mendelssohn first got the call regarding Coca-Cola's interest, he initially thought it was about his Charles Schultz documentary. It wasn't. They wanted something else. A 30-minute animated special. The call came in on a Wednesday, and Coca-Cola wanted an outline for the special by Monday. When that Monday rolled around, Schultz and Mendelssohn had a rough outline that consisted of a school play, some winter scenes, and a Bible verse being read. Mendelssohn wanted to reuse the jazz score he had for his Charles Schultz documentary, which was done by Vince Guaraldi. All of these things, by the way, would end up in the final product. Coca-Cola liked what they heard and agreed to sponsor it, and CBS would broadcast it. But they wanted it done and on the air in time for Christmas of that year. The only problem was they only had about six months to get everything finished. That's six months to do the 13,000 drawings needed to make 22 minutes of animation. Bill Melendez was brought in to do the animation and the trio got to work. Schultz was full of ideas and had a number of things he wanted in this special. He wanted that Bible verse read about the true meaning of Christmas. And he wanted to have actual kids doing the voices instead of voice actors. When the special was finished and CBS took a look at what they had, they had the following issues. They hated the jazz score. They hated the use of child actors. CBS also hated that no laugh track was used. Not that animated shows need laugh tracks, but 
At the time, both the Flintstones and the Jetsons were primetime shows on air and using them. And most of all, that Bible verse reading had to go. Basically, all of the things that Schultz wanted in there was what the network didn't like. And CBS wasn't alone. Mendelssohn and Melendez also didn't have confidence in the special they had made. After viewing it for the first time, Melendez told Mendelssohn, I think we've ruined Charlie Brown. It was slow. It was flat. It was melancholy. They even tried to convince Schultz to drop the Bible verse, but Schultz wouldn't hear of it. I can remember talking with Bill Melendez and Lee Mendelssohn, and I think the key to it was that we sat there trying to put together this show, and I said, you know, the more we think about it, we cannot do this show without including the famous passage from St. Luke. And that had never been done before either. No one would ever put biblical passages in an animated show. And we did it, and of course, when Linus walks out onto the stage and says, lights, please, and and there were shepherds, you know, in the field. That was the highlight of the show. The show was finished just 10 days before it aired. CBS hated it. Coca-Cola hated it. The legend goes that since it was finished only 10 days before airing and advertising had already been running was the only reason the network didn't cancel it. Then, on December 9, 1965, A Charlie Brown Christmas made its television debut. Snow time, winter time, Christmas time. The time of sugar plums, Santa Claus, and at last those lovable children from Peanuts. Enjoy a Charlie Brown Christmas. Meet Charlie Brown, Schroeder and Beethoven, Lucy, and that impudent hound, Snoopy. That's terrible, Charlie Brown! Here comes Charlie Brown now. Listen. Thanks for the Christmas card you sent me, Violet. I didn't send you a Christmas card, Charlie Brown. Don't you know sarcasm when you hear it? Be here as your favorite comic strip comes to life. This year, enjoy a Charlie Brown Christmas. And it was the smash hit. It was the number one show in its time slot and the number two rated show on television overall that week. It beat out its direct competition, the Beverly Hillbillies, the Man from Uncle, and Gomer Pyle, USMC. CBS was so happy with the result, they immediately ordered four more Charlie Brown specials. At current count in 2019, there are 44 animated Charlie Brown specials. The jazz score by Vince Guaraldi has gone on to become a classic, and his theme song, Linus and Lucy, is still a Christmas staple in 2019. Go ahead and put on any Christmas music station, and eventually it's going to pop on. And everyone knows that a small, underdeveloped Christmas tree is called a Charlie Brown tree. Bill Melendez, who provided the voice for Snoopy, would end up doing Snoopy's voice in every special and movie, even though he died in 2008 at the age of 91. Archives of his Snoopy voice were used in 2015's The Peanuts Movie. Charles Schultz passed away at the age of 77 in the year 2000. The day after he died, the final Peanuts, I mean Charlie Brown, Sunday comic strip ran. Producer Lee Mendelson passed away at the age of 86. He died on Christmas Day, 2019. And in 2019, a Charlie Brown Christmas aired for the 54th year in a row. Having aired every year since 1965, 
It is the longest running special in television history. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of The Industry. Our next season will begin sometime in 2020, which is a bit vague, I know. Sorry about that. Music in this episode is by Silent Partner, Ease Jammy Jams, Freedom Trail Studio, and Audio Nautics, whose music appears courtesy of a Creative Commons license. Show notes and links to sources can be found on our website, industrypodcast.org. You can find us on social media. On Twitter, it's at TheIndustry13. On Facebook, it's TheIndustryPod. And on Instagram, it's Industry underscore Podcast. I know, I should have used the same name for all of them, but I'm just not that bright. Clips from Lee Mendelssohn's 1963 documentary, A Boy Named Charlie Brown, can be found on YouTube. A DVD of this documentary is currently only available at the Charles M. Schultz Museum. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon with another lesser-known story of the things that went on in the industry.